Hello again, friends and leaders. Welcome back to What Leaders Want. I'm your host, Jay Delling, and it's here that we peel back the onion on leadership and how it makes the world go around. Today's podcast is sponsored by Canadis 3, the experts in leadership development, coaching, and consulting. Canadis 3 develops people into leaders of people. So today, my guest is a leader in healthcare. Say hi to Ron Baker. He's the project manager and sports medicine leader for Ascension via Christie in Wichita, Kansas. Let me also add that Ron was an All-American basketball player at Wichita State University, played multiple years in the NBA and in Russia. Ron, thanks for stopping by to talk about the impact leadership has in healthcare and to talk about leadership in general. Welcome. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the introduction. You really did your homework. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe or maybe it was me telling you my background on the last time we played golf. See, I I'm, I listen to understand. I don't listen <laughs> to respond. So I'm taking my, my own advice. So you have a, a unique leadership background in that uh, you were a leader on the basketball floor, which I'm sure made an impact on your leadership uh, uh, role in the business sector. At what point in your athletic career did you discover your ability to lead others. Yeah, so in athletics, usually you have more than one person dueling it out in a sport. Obviously, golf, tennis, and a few others are a little different. But luckily for me, all the sports I've played, uh, leadership comes into play. Everybody's different. Everybody's capabilities are different. Skill levels different. Even some communication is different. Uh, but I feel like the true leaders in my case, I've always led by example. I've never in my time ever been the guy that's kind of going to yell and scream to get you to what to do what I need you to do. Uh, but doing it by example has always really worked for me. And also in sports, sometimes listening is very important, whether it's to a coach, teammate, because uh, we as humans, we don't know everything. And if you can pick up on little things here and there, uh, good leaders are always welcome to sometimes change and also learn and get better. So describe how you transitioned, if you will, your ability to lead in athletics to to the corporate world, because not everybody can do that, Ron. I mean, it's it's it takes a set of of unique skills to do that, but you've you've certainly ha- have done that through your role at Ascension via Christie. But again, talk about how you transition that ability to lead in athletics to the corporate world. I think the first word when you had a spill there was patience. I retired from the sport in 2020, fortunate enough to have a short in my mind pro career, but it was one that I'll treasure forever. I took about two years, I call it off, just to kind of get away from basketball, diving into the world here in Wichita, networking, finally found something I'm passionate about, and patience kind of led me to it. Uh, And as far as transitioning from being a leader on a court to a leader in healthcare, it, it took a lot of patience for me to kind of understand my role, understand what the, the need was. Uh, Ascension Via Christi, I'm fortunate to have a partnership with them prior to even taking this position. They have a good partnership with Wichita State Athletics here in town. And I've 
from afar, I didn't even realize that I've been kind of a part of them uh, as a player. Uh, Todd Fagan's our athletic trainer. He's been there for 15, 16 years at WSU. He's actually a Century Be a Christie employee. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't don't know that. So fortunate to be in this situation. Uh, but those who I lead, it, it is more of a we initiative. Uh, our sport medicine department that I oversee, I get to manage the agreements. And we actually have athletic trainers at Wichita State, Newman, and then nine area high schools in town. Uh, but they all, all those athletic trainers are different. They all have great ideas and passions about what they do. And I get to kind of sit back and hear from them. And then I get to sit down and kind of visualize what I can do to make their lives easier. And I get to meet with those institutions. So leading is, that's kind of how I lead. I listen and see what I can do and what I can bring to the table to uh, make those agreements better. Uh, not only for the student athletes, but also the ATs. Well, that that patience you talked about is interesting to me because as an NBA point guard, you got 24 seconds to figure this thing <laughs> out. And I, my guess is it's hard to be patient during that 24 second period of time. So that's quite a jump from from the world that you lived in to now the corporate world where, as you said, and, and you're, you hit it on the head, patience is a great trait for leaders. So how did that, how did that procure for you? I will tell you the biggest adjust, adjustment going from athlete to corporate world is the time frame between decisions and when things get done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the shot clock's a real thing in, in sports in basketball, especially like decision-making has to happen on the fly. Uh, in corporate world, we actually get to sit down and kind of get a pinball back and forth, whether it's between the high school the and then the healthcare administrators. So things happen a lot slower in corporate world than they do uh, on the basketball court. So that's been quite the adjustment. Uh, but usually when you're Trying to make these agreements and do do what's right, uh, having the patience and taking your time to make the right decision on an agreement usually uh, works out in our favor. So, Ron, the pandemic taught us many things on, on the corporate level. One of the things that comes to mind for me is how essential and important frontline workers have become in the public eye and just how impactful their contributions are in healthcare. And I know this is a big thing with you. So talk about what you call the difference makers, those frontline workers. Yeah, so difference makers are those who make, in my mind, an experience to some individual that's vulnerable, game, like a game change, that's game changing, right? You come in, uh, whether you're injured in a tough mental state, like you're vulnerable to the world essentially. So these frontline workers in my eyes are difference makers because usually they're the first people other than EMS on a scene. They're the first people that are gonna meet you, greet you when you come to a hospital bed, hospital room. Uh, so try and envision kind of what that scene looks like. And, you know, nurses are so important to our ecosystem in healthcare because uh, they're, they're going to make your stay that much better. Uh, someone to talk to, someone to 
get care from. So those people are important uh, in our line of work. And like you had mentioned COVID, uh, I joined about six months into the pandemic and just seeing kind of things firsthand. I mean, those nurses and you know pretty much all those frontline workers, I mean, they were difference makers. They were put in situations that obviously they didn't want to be in, but they reacted in a manner that uh, was hero-like. It was, I mean, it was, it was challenging. Uh, but when you're put in those positions and you react and become that kind of difference maker mentality, uh, you can definitely, definitely go home and sleep pretty well at night, knowing that you're, you know, in this line of work for the right reasons. So definitely kudos to them because it was eye opening to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. I I grew up with a a mother who was a a career long nurse, and she was the first wave of home health nurses, probably about thirty years ago. And so I learned a lot about healthcare. I learned a lot about um, how to care for people um, and the impact it has. Uh, on those people. So now, Ron, we're at the point in the uh, podcast where we get to know Ron Baker. All right. This is this is the fun part. I'm going to ask you a question <laughs> or ask you to pick between two things. All right. Okay. So there's no points awarded, no prizes earned. You get nothing. Are you ready? Perfect. All Seems right. Fair. Here we go. For a buzzer winning play, would you rather hit a step back three pointer from the corner? Or take a pass on the baseline, take one dribble, throw down, and posterize a seven-footer trying to defend the basket. First thing I think of is MJ dunking on Matumbo. That was a pretty good highlight. Uh, being a Kansas fan growing up, corner threes are not something I enjoyed watching, especially when Syracuse was playing KU in the national title. So. I'll, Ooh, that was uh, Key I'll Smart, to, wasn't it? Wasn't that Key Smart who hit that shot? Uh, I think it was Michael Lee in 0. Oh, eight. That was yeah, eight. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I'd have to go with the posterizing dunk. I didn't have a lot of in-game dunks, so it'd be nice to to do that from time to time. Yeah, you had a pretty in-game uh, follow-up back in high school that we may get into later. <laughs> um, I know you're a big movie buff. Yeah. Hoosers? Or Coach Carter? Oh, both are tremendous movies. Uh, Coach Carter resonates because both my parents were coaches. And they had a lot of impact on not only me, but certainly other kids that they coached. Uh, I think Hoosiers is probably my pick here uh, just because of a lot of history in that movie and also the small town vibe. I'm from a small town in Western Kansas, so that that movie definitely resonates a little bit more with me. Space Jam or Air Bud? <laughs> I, probably Space Jam. Uh, we had a Ecoline Ford band growing up, and we were lucky enough to get a VHS tape uh, in there from time to time, and Space Jam was usually a hot pick. For us, Airbud. I just got a golden retriever about five months ago, so we're we're trying training hard in the backyard from time to time. But Space Jam is probably my pick there. All right, this is a this is a loaded one. <laughs> Celtics or the Knicks? Man, 
You know, so obviously you think about this Knicks, one? I, I do. I do. I'm a big bird fan. Uh, obviously too young to really get to watch him in his prime, but I enjoyed kind of the kind of the swagger, if you will, that he had. He put a lot of talk out there, but he was always the one that could back it up and they had some tremendous teams and just the history of Boston's pretty pretty cool with them and the Lakers. Uh, the Knicks, obviously grateful to be a part of the organization, made a lot of lifetime friends there. Uh, but again, didn't get to watch them a ton in the 90s. Uh, so the Celtics are probably my, my pick there. Okay, I, so we're going to go with a trivia question on the Knicks. And I, uh, this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm going in my headspace here, but from my recollection, there are four former Shockers that have played for the Knicks organization. Can you name them? I know one's obvious. Yeah. So <laughs> me, Clay Anthony Early, uh, X, and then the last one is actually. Oh, so there's five. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Okay. I'm I'm uh, forgetting the fifth one then because uh, the fourth so one is the fourth one is uh, Dave the Rave. Yeah. Also has a statue outside of Coke Arena down the road here in Wichita, and has also got his jersey retired in the garden. Who is the fifth? Nate Bowman. They both 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 Nate Bowman and Dave were on the uh, World Championship Knicks team in seventy. 70, when okay. former Creighton Blue Jay, it's a little <laughs> shout out to our producer, Dave Gregory, um, basically won the championship on one leg. Um, <laughs> I was a big Willis Reed Reed fan. So, yeah, okay. so there's five. Okay, good good work there. All right, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? I'm obviously in the LeBron area, era. I, I do think... He is a prototype of Magic Johnson, whereas MJ and Kobe kind of assemble, resemble one another. I think I am still leaning towards MJ. Uh, him, just like uh, kind of those players back in the day, that there's a lot of chit chat going on back then. But mm-hmm. MJ was the guy that, hey, once once the ball tips up, I'm going to show you what I'm chit chatting about and. <laughs> You don't win back to back to back twice in a career without just being the best and having that will to win. So I'm still an MJ. And I, I, I would agree. All right. Toughest player you ever guarded. And if and if you reference a Creighton Blue Jay, I'm gonna <laughs> take you off the Mount Rushmore of shocker favorites of mine. <laughs> So it's it's obviously an NBA player. Uh, throughout my career, I didn't play a ton of games, honestly, my rookie year until the kind of the last half of the season. Derrick Rose got hurt, and we eventually waived Brandon Jennings with, oh, 30 games left in the year. So I got to start quite a few games finishing my rookie season. And many of you know this gentleman – uh, ex-Kentucky Wildcat, but John Wall was mm. one of the toughest covers I think I ever had at the point guard position. Uh, obviously, there's a ton of different players in the leagues in the league that 
I mean, obviously, I never got the privilege to guard LeBron very often. Uh, but at that position, I was at the point guard position. John Wall was, I don't want to say by far, but definitely one of the toughest covers that I had to face. Your single most satisfying moment in sports. I'm lucky, very lucky and fortunate to say there's quite a few that come to mind. Uh, Being a Kansas kid, I would have to say beating Ohio State and going to the Final Four. I tell a lot of people that ask questions like this, imagine uh, going, going to a Final Four and it being the first time in your life you haven't watched it. (laughs) Because <laughs> you're playing it, so you're that would probably that'd be my most. Well, that's that's classic. Most, that'd be my most uh, memorable one for sure. All right, favorite card game. I uh, grew up in a a family that played a lot of pitch, uh, mainly six point. We'll go up to ten, depending on who's at the table. Uh, my mom's the youngest of ten, so we used to have pitch <laughs> pitch tournaments during the holidays. Favorite breed of dogs. I uh, currently have a chocolate lab that's about almost two years, and then I have a golden retriever who's five, five, five months. Uh, if they could knock on this window next to me in my basement, they could say hi, but I'm trying to keep <laughs> them quiet for now. <laughs> All right, using a golf-style handicap, what is your handicap playing billiards? Man. So many, many folks don't quite understand the handicap, so I'll give them a little rundown. So if, if someone tells you they're a scratch, that means they're a zero. And that means any given day they can go out and shoot par. That's, mm-hmm. that's what a, that's what, so when I throw out a number, I don't want people to be questioning my capabilities on billiards, but I would say I'm about a plus one to plus two. I like to compete Ooh. pretty well in the, in the billiards realm. We got a bumper pool down in my basement right now. My Ooh. parents grew up with a nine foot snooker table. Some people are going oh. to have to Google that. Yeah. No, uh, no snooker. I've played it. Yeah. And then uh, down the road here at Waltz East, some of my buddies and I will get on a eight ball table from time to time. Beautiful. All right. Would you rather make a hole in one or a double eagle? Man, hole in ones or double eagles don't come around very often. I think on a scorecard, having a two on a par five is more intriguing. And usually, if you're playing a pretty tough course, you're you're probably ways out from that two. So I'd, I'd have to go with the albatross there. Yeah, it's by far harder. I'm lucky I've got both. But so, what's your dream <laughs> foursome, dead or alive? Dream foursome. Oh, well, I'd have to go Tiger. I'd have to go with someone kind of, if we're talking golf, I'd have to go with, oh, maybe Arnold Palmer. I'd throw him in there. Uh, Bobby Jones. And then. Okay, so it's you, you, Tiger. Oh, Arnie. awesome. Okay. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
Okay, I'm hurt. I wasn't. I'm hurt. I wasn't one of them. But all right, Ron <laughs> Baker, our guest on what leaders want. Uh, back to the ranch. So again, you get no points, no uh, <laughs> no awards, nothing listeners, to show. Here. Listeners can get points <laughs> for guessing right. <laughs> exactly. All right. So every conversation I have on what leaders want include the topic, my most impactful leadership moment or leadership period of time. I I love your topic here. Your most impactful leadership period of time centers around your parents. Tell us why. So my parents are both ex-college athletes, similar to me and my brother. And our our childhood was very unique. My my grandpa and my dad ran the farm growing up. Uh, my dad would work in the elevator during harvest while my mom uh, was teaching. So having three kids, uh, I'm the oldest. My brother's four years younger than my sister's a year younger. Uh, sports were obviously something that we were passionate about at a young age. Uh, and obviously mom being a school teacher, dad working on the farm elevator. He, init he initially worked at the elevator and then became the athletic director at a town called Healy, Kansas. So busy, busy days growing up, uh, 7am wake up, hit the road, get to school. Uh, parents both taught I and mean, we're getting home at 637 every night. So as you can imagine, weeks are busy. Uh, once sports started at a young age, elementary, middle school, it was it was kind of different than it is now. It wasn't really, all right, I'm going to play basketball and do this year round. It was kind of seasonal. You'd play this sport, transition to baseball, transition to football, so on and so forth. But pretty much every weekend, I just recall either my mom going north to hill city with my sister to play softball and then me and my brother going to dodge city to play baseball like that i mean that was every weekend and having three kids that are active like that it it i never recall it ever putting a tremendous toll on my folks hmm. uh, and you being a golfer i being a golfer like that's that's a weekend journey for us right going out mm -hmm. to play golf with our friends well, my, you know, my parents sacrifice kind of their free time to take us places to be around great people. Uh, we, I say that because in 2004, my folks essentially led us. We left our hometown of Utica, Kansas. They led us to go live in Scott City. And they put us in a great community. They put us around tremendous kids, competitors. Uh, and that's that's something your parents, are, you know, maybe nowadays don't even think twice about doing. They're just, oh, we live in Andover. We're going to stay here and you're going to go to school. And that just if it's it's kind of up to you if you want to do sports. And my folks were, yeah, we're going to leave our farm in Utica and we're going to go to Scott City so that our kids can have you know, a better, better outcome, if you will. Uh, trans transitioning themselves to become adults. So that's kind of my most memorable leadership moment. That's true servant leadership. That's true servant leadership. So the sports medicine side of your role with Ascension Via Christi is, is very near and dear to you. I know that we've had conversations about that. Talk about your relationship with a couple of doctors, Andrew Porter and Paul yeah. Cleland, and, and what their leadership in sports medicine 
has meant to you and the Wichita area community? I think the first thing that comes to mind is just patient care. Uh, when you think of when you think of a doc, a doctor, when he evaluates a patient, the word standard of care, you'll hear that a lot in healthcare. Standard of care, uh, you know, our docs are always doing that. You know, the standard is a standard, right? It's what they feel is necessary. And those two docs have always done that and represented that uh, since I was a player at Wichita State. Uh, Dr. Porter's been the head of our sport medicine fellowship. For those who don't know what a fellowship is, a fellowship is a residential, excuse me, residential program for first and second year doctors essentially trying to get their schooling done. Uh, so we we have three fellows each year and Dr. Porter and Dr. Cleveland are their uh, preceptors. So when I when you ask me to on the show, it's it's easy for me to think of those two guys because they're tremendous leaders, right? They're leading first and second year postgrad doctors into this world. And it takes a, a leader and someone who wants to serve our up and bringing up and coming community that's going to bring healthcare to what it needs to be. And I'm tremendously fortunate to be a, a part of their their group. And just watching them day to day is it's uh, it's what this world needs more of, to be honest. Ron, talk about the future of Ascension via Christie and the leadership impact of Kevin Strecker. So Kevin Strecker, he's the Ascension Kansas Ministry Market Executive and Senior Vice President. And so just talk about the future, his leadership, and, and the footprint that, that that's going to bring. Yeah, so obviously COVID has come and it's kind of still lingering around. Uh, but I'll tell you, when I first joined uh, Kevin Strecker, he essentially hired me. Kevin is also a native Western Kansas gentleman from Scott City. Our families are pretty close knit, but being around Kevin, he's he's pretty smart, very understanding person. Uh, he's very big on people. Uh, we have quarterly meetings where he'll give obviously financials and different things going on throughout the Kansas market. And every time he he talks, it's you know he's not a CEO. He's He's someone that's very humble, very down to earth. Uh, he listens and he's very transparent. Those who lead and are transparent like himself are putting uh, their associates before themselves, which essentially should tell everyone at Ascension, like, you know, Kevin's doing this for the betterment of the company. And when you have a leader that's doing that, I, I can't imagine that your future is going to start trending in the right direction. And, you know, the reality is healthcare is kind of going through a slump, but I think we all are aware that society has been in slumps before and life tends to go in full circle when you kind of serve others and put others first. And with the leadership of Kevin Strecker, that's, that's where I see Ascension via Christie going. And we're going to continue to serve those in Wichita and hopefully essentially make uh, the Wichita area a healthier place. <laughs> Ron, that's a, that's a good description of, of, of Kevin. So I want you to think about yourself in five or 10 years. What's the, what's the leadership legacy of Ron Baker? 
you just talk about you just talked about Kevin Strecker. How do you want somebody to talk about you in five or ten years about what the legacy of leadership that that you brought to to the corporate world? I'd like to think the word unselfish kind of comes to come to mind. I've always tried to be people first person. Uh, there's a lot of folks that have grown up not only in this state and in, and in the nation and in the world that haven't had the opportunities uh, that I've I've had and gone through. So being someone who's down to earth, willing to listen, uh, I I try to think as my as I think about my role. I, it, you know, I'm I'm leading a department, but again, we're we're a we. It's not it's not I. It's we. If you ever listen to Kevin Saul, the ADA, mm-hmm. Wichita State. He has uh, oh a few associate ads, and you ask him, "Hey, how are those associate ads doing under you?" He's like, "Oh no, they're not under me. This is we, this is we, buddy." So that that's kind of my my mindset and my and my mission. Uh, my mom was also an elementary ed teacher, so the youth's important to me. So when I think of leadership legacy, I I want to hopefully be the person that thought we first and kind of made the youth and the city a better place than I found it. I like the Kevin Saul call out. He's been a guest <laughs> on on our show and, and really enjoyed the time with him. Ron, thanks for your time today and, and sharing your thoughts about, about leadership. It was truly an honor to, to have you on our, our podcast. So thanks so much. Thanks, Jay. Friends, that's a wrap. We'll put a bow on this episode of What Leaders Want. Today's podcast is sponsored by Canadis 3, the experts in leadership development, coaching, and consulting. Canadis 3 develops people into leaders of people. Until we meet again, remember if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you, my friends, are a leader. Bye now.